Let's try that again. Well, good morning. <laughs> I need to learn not to turn off the mic. So, hey, so we're in the final week of bringing it to the table. And, and this whole series has really been about communication. You know, back in week one, we kind of looked at the way the world says things compared to the way we as Christ followers say things. And there's basically this world of differences between what we believe and what we say and what the world believes and, and what the world says. And, and then a couple weeks ago, we talked about seasoned conversations. You know, where, where we have enough salt in our words that it's pleasing and appealing to the one that we talk to. You know, we, we don't want to sugarcoat it too much, but we don't want to come across that it's unappealing, you know, kind of like you season your food and to the, you get it to the right taste that you want it. Well, we need to season our words and our conversations to do the same. And, of course, last week, uh, going into Thanksgiving, we had our Thanksgiving meal last week. By the way, did everyone have to get enough food last week? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've been so good losing weight this past week, I didn't do so well. So I got to start all over again. You know, like Andrea said, she's wearing her, her big shirt. You know, I had to wear my, my, my big pants for Thanksgiving Day. You know, the ones that kind of stretch, you know, with the elastic waistband. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not the only one who does that. All right. I, I'm glad some of y'all are admitting that I'm not alone. <laughs> so, but so last week, you know, we came together and we took that time just to come into his presence with, with song. We, we entered his courts with thanksgiving. We entered his gates. Um, with praise, and, and we just took that time of just worshiping and being thankful for what God's done in our life. And, and I really enjoyed that. We took time. We broke bread together, uh, not only here with doing communion, but then going upstairs, and, and man, there was a whole lot of food up there. Um, so it was a good weekend. So I guess we'll have to do it again soon. Y'all like that idea, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we'll have to we'll have to figure something out. Maybe we'll do something around Christmas time. You know, of course, most people are gone around Christmas. I know some people go on long vacations this time of the year, um, but we'll figure something out. Yeah. As a matter of fact, y'all figure it out and let me know when you want to do it. How's that sound? Quarterly. So quarterly. Wow. Quarter. Do a quarterly meal. We'll figure that one out. So. Back to bringing it to the table. It's going to be one of them days. Get ready. So, like I said, th this whole series has been about communication and, and kind of what hopefully we can, we can learn through this series and the kind of big idea is this. Communication is the sharing or exchanging of information. Uh, along with the emotions which accompany the information shared between individuals or groups of individuals. And hopefully one of the things that we can learn here today is that when you communicate, you not only share what you think about a matter, but you also share how you feel about that matter. And most of you may be saying, huh? But, you know, we all have feelings. And our feelings tend to come out when we're communicating something. You know, communication is this whole process. And think about this. Make sure you follow along with me. But think of this. 
when you actually say something and the person's actually listening to you, what happens is you say something and the person who's listening actually hears what you're saying plus what they think you're saying and the way they feel about what you're saying. And then after you say what you thought you said to this person, you think they understood what you said, but they put these emotions into it. They then reply to what you said. And as you listen to the reply, you're trying to figure out what did you actually say? Because what they're saying don't line up with what you said. And then you sit there because now their, their emotions have come into it. And now you got to reply. So you got to reply with what you thought you originally said, but they said something different back to you. So you're really not sure what you're going to say. And then you have that conversation. That sounds good, right? That makes sense? That makes sense to everyone, right? Does that sound like family communication or what? It's crazy because that is how we communicate. Because what happens is when you start to say something, the person who's receiving what you're saying is automatically, they've got something going in their head. Or, or exactly, or they're looking at their phone. Or if you put it, you know, all of a sudden it's like you say a word that all of a sudden they get offended by. Now, all of a sudden, the whole conversation has changed, and, and, and everything that's going on and, and what they're thinking. And unfortunately, we do the same thing, depending on the mood that we're in. Someone comes up and starts talking to us, and as they're talking to us, we got something going on, or maybe we're remembering something that they did, so we're automatically taking what they say the wrong way. You know, like text messages all in caps, why are you yelling at me? You know, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking But see, the, the whole, even... Between email, text messaging, what's, uh, what's that other app, WhatsApp or whatever it is, you know, all these different things that's out there, all these different ways that we communicate, but then even when we communicate face-to-face, -face, we don't always take it for what it actually is because depending what we're going through. So, so today we're going to talk about family conversations as we finish out this series. Um, and, and I want to come right out and say it that I realize I'm a major liability when it comes to this whole communication thing. Because if you haven't noticed, I am a man. So, 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 you know, men are not good at communicating. Can I get an amen, men? Amen. Because I, I, the men are sitting there going, really, pastor? My wife's looking at me going, mm, you better listen to the pastor. But men aren't good at communicating. To be, I, I, I've, for about 59, well, for just over 59 years now, I've tried to figure out this whole communication thing. And, and I want to let you know I'm not really good at it. I, I'm not good at communicating. I'm a guy. I want to fix it and move on. I don't want to have a long, drawn-out conversation. I want to be like, here it is. Here's the problem. Fix it and move on. And, and, and if I can't fix it, you know what, move it to the side and let me keep on going. Because that's what men do. So I'm kind of bad at this, but what I'm going to hopefully do is take the things that I've learned and, and hopefully pass them on. And maybe we can all learn something together about it. Uh, one of the things I was looking at is looking at different surveys. And when you look at surveys of marriages that don't make it, 86% of marriages that don't make it say there was a communication problem. Think about that. 86% say there was a communication problem. And I really don't understand it because normally when people start dating each other, communication is key. You know, y'all, you hear things like this, and for young people in the house, this may be something that you've actually said. We just love to be together. 
we'd just stay up late at night and talk to each other. And I just feel so free and open with them. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. It's just marvelous. We're soulmates. We connect with one another. That sounds familiar, don't it? Oh, well, me and my girl stay up all night. We're just texting and communicating. No, you're not. You think you are. But, but I want to let you know there's something that happens when you say, I do, and you put that ring on your finger. And, and I don't know what it is, but it totally messes up communication. All of a sudden, you get married, and, and, and then, you know, you've been married for a while. Marriages start happening. You start having problems in the marriage. And then what do you hear? We just didn't understand one another. We just didn't talk with one another anymore. Somehow we just couldn't seem to talk to one another. Well, wait a minute. Y'all stayed up late talking to each other, right? You stayed up late. You, you know, hey, I only got two hours of sleep and I went to work. Now all of a sudden you're married for a little bit and we just don't talk anymore. Something happens when marriage happens. Something happens to communication, and, and, and we need to figure out what it is and fix it. Now, now we can all look at our kids and say, mm-hmm, but we know the kids aren't the problem. The communication stopped before the kids got there. In some cases, the kids came because the communication stopped. Well, maybe if we have a baby, our life will be better together. Because you see and hear that also. All right, so, so hopefully today we'll, we'll take some time and we'll, we'll be able to figure out this whole communication thing. And I honestly believe that some of the best scripture or the best set of scripture on communication is found in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, starting at verse 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. In the Bible in the back of the pew, it's on page 1,346. So if we can, can we all rise for the reading and the hearing of God's word? Ephesians 4.25 through 5.2. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one of you, to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Amen. The word of God. Praise be to him. All right. So communication. We, we've been talking about communication. I think there's different ways that, that we communicate in this world. Um, in, in some ways, we communicate with time. 
You know, we, we give time to someone, so we show them that we care for them. We show them that we're concerned for them because we spend time with them. You know, so that's one way. We also communicate with gifts. You know, when you give something to someone, wh whether it's an actual gift as a present or you give them something that they may need, you know, you're giving them in, in gifts. We, we also give, uh, communicate in a ways of touch. You know, as you touch someone, you communicate to them. And if you've ever done the five love languages, you know the different uh, types of love. But what I want to talk about today is communication with words. Uh, words mean so much. What we say, how we say it, when we say it means so much. And I think it's really big in a family. So as we talk about family conversations and communicating with words today, um, hopefully we can learn what our words are capable of and what they're not capable of. So I, I think when we read the, the verses and what they say about words, I think it's important on the words that we actually say. And, and I mean, you dig right into it. We want to look at things in our communication. I think every one of us has things that we need to eliminate. There, there, there's words or phrases or gestures that we need to eliminate or eliminate problems in our communication. We need to integrate some things and even maybe appropriate some things into our conversations that we're missing. So let's just dig right in. And one of the things we need to do is eliminate some problems. And you can't, verse 25, very begin as we look through this verse, Something we need to eliminate in all of our conversations. Therefore, put in away lying. Pretty straight and simple. Put away lying. You need to stop lying to each other. And understand, lying is like in a family, is like a house of cards. Y'all ever built a house of cards? You know, you sit there and you try and put cards up and you try and maneuver them so they hold them together. And no matter how much you do, eventually the house of cards does what? comes tumbling down. That's exactly what lying does inside a family. It's like that house of cards is going to come crumbling down. So we need to avoid it because lying is actually very lethal when it comes to a family. We need to always make sure we speak truth. And unfortunately, according to God's word, we're all liars. We're actually born as liars. In Psalm 58.3, it says, The wicked go astray from the womb, Liars wander, uh, wander about this earth. So we're born liars. Think about all the kids. Who did that? I don't know. We, we automatically lie. Now the problem is, some of us as we mature, we get really, really good at lying. You know, it, it, it don't mean to pick on anyone who may be in sales, but when do you know a salesman's lying when his lips are moving? You know, kind of thing. Some of us perfect lying as we get older. Instead of trying to put away lying, we actually get really, really good at it. Um, God's Word tells us to put it away, to eliminate lying, to be truthful. Uh, verse 29 tells us no foul language should come from our mouth. So you think about this. Uh, besides getting rid of lying, get, get rid of these, this distasteful um, words that come out and and maybe you're thinking, man, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Go back and listen to week two of this sermon series. 
seasoned conversations. Go back, go back and listen to that if you got that problem with the foul language coming from your mouth or, or what should I say and you want your words to be appealing. Go back and listen to seasoned conversations and, and understand the word foul here in the Greek it actually refers to overripe fruit or rotten fish. So think about that. Foul language coming out of your mouth is like rotten fish, the stench coming out of your mouth. Some of y'all are like, man, that's gross. But that's what it is. That's the reality that we have to face when we have that foul language coming out of our mouth. It is a stench that is unpleasing to those who are around us. So we need to really watch how we communicate. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't just happen that way. We just uh, automatically come up with this foul language. There's a process to it. Normally, we start out complaining. Everyone knows, yeah, okay, well, yeah, we complain about something, or they start complaining, and understand that there is a place within inside the family to bring up a le legitimate complaint. The problem is some of us, what we do is we find that sore spot on one of the family members, and what do we do? We start picking at it, and we're, we're picking at it to try and get this reaction from somebody, and some people are really good at it, some people really don't care how long you pick at the sore. It's like, yeah, whatever, I ain't messing with you. But, but it starts there. And then what happens is, is we go from complaining, and then we start attaching blame onto someone. You know, I'm not only going to complain about it, but now I'm going to blame this person. And then blame becomes criticism. And when you start criticizing people, you start saying, you can never do anything right. You are always like that. Why are you so prone to make mistakes? All right? Some of y'all sitting there going, man, I just heard that this morning. But, but it, it turns into that, and, and then it gets into this critical mode, and, and I want to let you know that no one ever, never, and always does anything. Remember that. No one ever, never, always does anything. Because you know that's how it works out, right? You never do this. Uh, you're always doing this. You never, ever do this. It gets into that criticism mode, and we want to try and avoid that. And, of course, then once you've done this, it becomes contempt. Now you're just mad. Now you're just getting angry, and you're in contempt with that other person. And, and as you get into that contempt, more words come up. You're just so stupid. Y'all heard that, right? You are so dumb. Or one of my favorite, how can you be so ugly? And I'm not talking ugly as in facial. I'm talking ugly as in words. But, you know, we, we get into, and our words just get worse and worse. They continue to get worse as we're going on. So we have all this corrupt communication, um, and it just boils and festers into bad communication within the family. And then as we continue to go on, you know, it tells us to eliminate lying. Verse 31 gives us this other dangerous elements. It says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. So this refers to a bitter root that creates a bitter fruit. And I think we all know it's it's poisonous to the family for that bitterness to come up. 
Um, so beware of bitterness, avoid wrath. I, I think, you know, wrath is this explosion. It, it, it's where we get our word thermos from or thermonuclear. And, and we all know what happens like thermonuclear war, the explosion that happens. And, and some of us see that same explosion in our own lives. We see it within our family. We see, you know, like the sons of thunder, we want to bring down thunder and lightning and like hit someone in our family with it. You know, we want to bring that wrath. The Bible tells us we need to eliminate it. We, we need to get rid of that. Uh, the next word, anger. The, the Greek for anger is like this rising anger or like being red-faced. It, it, it basically goes into this as someone's getting angry, they're getting upset, and they just keep holding it inside. And you see them people, you know there's something wrong inside of them, but they're not saying what it is. And you just see it continue to build inside them where, where it's almost like you can see the steam rising in their face. And some of us sitting there going, man, Pastor, you must be in my house. Because I get that steam rising all the time. And what happens is we hold it inside, and then finally what happens? We explode. The person finally explodes, and here comes everything. Everything from back when you were six years old, and you're 59 now, you're going to hear about. Because they've held it all inside, and it just continues to grow. And then it generally goes into, as it says, shouting. We all know what shouting means. And we all know the person who's going to win the family fight. He who gets the loudest wins. You know, so you get the one who's going to just talk over everyone, get really loud, start shouting, and, and then everyone else is going to shut down and be like, man, they just need to be quiet. Leave it alone. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Just leave it alone. Just let it go. Leave it alone. Let them stop. Let them win this. It's only a battle. It's not the war. We're going to give it to them because they're a shouter. The Bible tells us we need to eliminate that. Oh, and by the way, the, lo the loudest shouter is not always the parents. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the kids get a whole lot louder. I've seen some kids in the department store get loud. I just wanted to walk over and hit them for their parents. Just like, hey, you ain't going to do it. Let me handle this discipline for you. God's word says don't spare the rod. Let me give them the rod. Let, let me go ahead and do it for you. I'll handle it. Go forward, but we all know that. Uh, it mentions slander. Um, the phrase means like harmful speech. You know, the, those words that are meant to harm someone or the attempt to hurt someone with our words that we need to avoid. So, so these are all things that we should eliminate <clears throat> from our conversations within and outside the family. I think there's still some things that we need to integrate or bring into it. Uh, verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Now you're saying, well, pastor, it says to the neighbor. So I, I got to speak good to my neighbor, but not to my family. No. Your family is the closest thing you got to a neighbor. So start with your family. Speak truth to your family. And some of y'all been pastor, I got that down. <clears throat> Man, pastor, I speak the truth to my family. I tell them exactly what's on my mind. Well, you may want to be careful. You might not have much mind left. Okay? But I know some people, I'm going to speak truth. And then, you know, I, well, you know me, Pastor. I'm just going to be brutally honest. 
Does that even sound nice? I'm going to be brutally honest with that person. We're supposed to speak truth in love. Now, is, is there's a time you've got to be speak truth into someone's life, but not brutally. Here's the reality. Not everything that is truth needs to be said. Because if it's truth, guess what? Everyone knows it already anyways. But some of us just have to, oh, I got to say it. I'm going to be the one, boy, I just got to tell them what, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one to say it because I'm the brutally honest one in my family. Those words hurt. There's a time to say it with love and, and be open and honest with someone. Verse 15 actually tells us, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. So we need to be able to do it with love and we need to speak truth in love. Which isn't always easy. But, but it's something that we need to put into it. Now also something vital is, is with, the, with the family is what kind of communication we should have with them. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 say this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your city gates. That is a good pattern for family. That's what a family should do. There should be a time when we sit down together as a family and we actually open up God's word. That we actually take that time to spend with God in our house Take that time to pray together as a family. Because ultimately, we, we, we need to talk to the Lord about our family, but we also need to talk to our family about the Lord and take that time together where we actually spend it, not just, yes, we have our own personal private time, but there should be a time for the family to do it together, to open up God's Word, to pray together, and, and to do life together, putting God first in everything that we do. God tells us to do that. It's a command, but, you know, we pick and choose what command we want to follow. Openly speak to your family about God and speak to God about your family. Realize this, the world, the culture is hostile to what we believe. They're hostile to the church. They're hostile to our Lord Jesus Christ. We are raising kids, we are raising grandkids in this world today that is hostile against what we believe. And the only way that they're going to get God into them is through family time together, through coming to church, spending time with other believers to be able to be different than what the world calls them to do. Because I don't think any of us want our kids to live the life that the world's telling us to live today. We, we want our kids to be different. We want our grandkids to be different. So we need to take that time, meditate on his word together as a family, and move forward. 
Now, now as, long, as we continue to talk about communication within the family, then there's good communication and there's bad. Verse 29 says, No foul language should come from your mouth. So that's the bad side of communication. But then it goes on and actually gives the good side or the positive side. It says, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. When is the last time your words were good for building someone up and giving them the grace that they needed? We don't think about that side of communication. We'll let that foul language come out quick, fast, and in a hurry like, right? But when's the last time you actually went to have a conversation with someone and said, I, I, I need to have this conversation to build them up? They need God's grace just like I got God's grace. Let, let me build them up with these words that come out of my mouth. And it's not something that comes easy. It's not something that we do all the time. But it is what we're told to do. And, 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 you know, most of you probably, well, some of you may know, this is actually my life verse. Ephesians 4.29 is, is my life verse. It's actually my gamer tag on Call of Duty. And my Call of Duty version of this scripture is don't talk smack. Because that's basically what it's telling you to do. Don't let foul language come out. Build other people up. So basically we don't talk smack. We don't talk down to people. We, we don't try and act like we're above them in any way. We actually give them words of grace. We actually do things to build somebody up. And unfortunately, in a family, we tend to break people down because that's just what family does. We need to take that time and build each other up. And, and ultimately, this building each other up comes when, you know, there's a problem in the family. Y'all know about family problems, right? I mean, all of us have had family problems. And there's some rules to family conversations. And there's times you got to have this family conference. All right, family, we're coming together. And in most cases, where did it come? At the table. Think about the last or all the good conversations you've had at your dining room table. Now, some of us have had some bad conversations at the table. Because that's where the law got laid down. You know, the law was at the table. Dinner's at this time. You better be there. If you miss dinner, next meal is breakfast. Don't come in asking for leftovers. Because we're going to sit down at the table. We're going to talk about everything. I remember sitting at the table, you know, and it's, what'd you learn in school today? Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Because I know you learned something in school today. And it's funny, I asked the same thing in you. What did you learn in school today? Nothing. I don't know why we send kids to school nowadays. They didn't learn nothing at all. Nothing. Yeah, but they're so smart. We know nothing as parents. They know everything, but they learn nothing in school. Just saying. I don't know what it is. But, but so, you know, some of the best conversations go on, and, and, and when it comes to that whole family conference, I think there's some rules. And, and these are some rules I, I, I've, I've put in my family in the past, and, and I believe they really work, is first we need to learn to attack the problem, not the person. It's so easy to attack the person. It's your fault you messed up. 
Instead, we need to attack the problem. We need to look at what the problem was and, and, and actually handle the problem. See, I think everyone in this room is smarter than a donkey. Okay? Now, what donkeys do, when donkeys are threatened, donkeys make a circle facing the enemy. So if, if there's a group of donkeys up here, their heads are all facing out looking at their enemy. And then what do they do? They start kicking. Who are they kicking? Each other. I think we're all smarter than donkeys. Instead of kicking each other and getting down on each other, be like a horse. Horses actually put their heads together so they're kicking out. And that's what we need to do in a family is put our heads together and attack the enemy instead of attacking each other. And it's not always easy to do, but understand when, when a problem arises in our families, in our regular families, extended families, church families, work families, whatever it is, make sure we attack the enemy instead of attacking each other. Yeah, Come together, put our heads together, and move forward and attack the problem, not each other. And when you're attacking the problem, learn to fix the problem and not blame. Because it's easy, oh, it's all your fault. We're in this predicament because of you. Y'all heard that before, right? It's all your fault. If you didn't do this, we wouldn't be doing this. We've all heard it. Attack the problem, fix the problem, and don't blame it. Don't always be looking for someone to blame. And understand, let everyone have an opportunity to express what they're going through. In a family, realize that everyone has a voice. And everyone should be heard. Now, what they say may not mean much in some cases, but let everyone have a voice. Take time to listen to each other instead of just blaming each other. Yeah, I remember when my son threw a golf ball through the front window of our house. And I asked him, I was mad. Big picture window broken on a weekend. So, what were you thinking? And here's what he was thinking. Dad, there's a spider web between these two trees. <laughs> and I took the ball, I was by the house, and I threw it, I was trying to knock the spider web down. Well, now the ball's in the street. So now he gets in the street, and now he's throwing it back towards the house. Not thinking about even if he knocked the spider web down, where the ball was going. And it went through the front window of the house. Was I mad? Yes. Was I angry? Yeah. But we attacked the problem. Hey, we need to get this glass out. We need to get, you know, hurricane shutter up around the window until we can get it replaced on the, you know, during the week. Uh, by the way, it's coming out of your allowance. Uh, you know, yeah, it had to get all that done. And for those of you who know my son, you're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds like Dalton. Anyways... Every member of the family is valued. We're all valued by God, so make sure we value our family also. Don't, don't just get into blaming, try and fix the problem. Next thing, especially in today's world, keep it private, not public. Because some of us, we look on Facebook and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. The stuff that gets aired on Facebook 
If there's a family problem, handle it within the family. Keep it private. Not everyone at your work needs to know about it. Not everyone on Facebook needs to know about it. Trust me, dirty laundry belongs in the house, not outside the house. So keep your dirty laundry private. Handle it privately. Don't put it out there for the world to see. You know, keep, keep it inside. And of course, all these, if you're going to bring up a problem, if you're going to bring it up, bring it out in the open, you might as well pray about it. Give your problem to God. Guess what? God already knew about it. He already knows the answer to it, and he knows how to deal with it. Give it to God. If you're going to have a problem, you're going to bring that problem up, make sure you pray it up, give it to God, and then when you give it to him, let him keep it. Don't take it back. We're all good at taking problems back. Give it to him and let it go. One of the things that I found interesting in this verse is, did you notice that the whole Trinity appears in here? It talks about God's Holy Spirit in verse 30. It talks, mentions God in verse 32. And, and in chapter 5, verse 2, it mentions Christ. Talk about a lineup that we have to take our communication to. We got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got every one of them at our disposal when we're communicating within our family. We have that ability to have the Holy Spirit guide us. We, we have God, our Father, to be able to go to. And we have the love, that sacrificial love of Jesus Christ to get us through. But we need to remember that in our families. We need to remember that in our conversations, that we have all of this, the entire Trinity, available to us. It was funny, I was reading a story about this lady. She went to go see a marriage counselor. She went into the marriage counselor and she says, I want to divorce my husband. I don't just want to divorce him. I want to take him for everything he's got. I don't want him to have a single penny left when I get done with him. Tell me what I got to do. And I have to admit he was a good counselor. Must have been a Christian counselor. Because he definitely wasn't from the world. He says, you know what? You want to divorce your husband. You want to take him for everything. And you want him to be totally surprised by it. She's like, yeah. He said, okay, this is what I want you to do. For the next few days, I want you to go home. I want you to cook his favorite meal. I want you to tell him that you love him. I want you to tell him that, you're, that he is your hero. I want you to tell him that you're proud of him. I want you to just love him or show him love, whatever it is for the next couple days. And then when you get him to that place of, of wow, everything is great, go ahead and hit him with the news. That's it. I'm divorcing you. I'm taking the house. I'm taking the kids. I'm taking the car. I'm taking everything. A couple weeks go by. Counselor hadn't heard from this lady. So he calls her up. He says, hey, you ready for this divorce? She says, what, are you crazy? I'm married to the best man on earth. He is so loving. He is so kind. Uh, he, he's the best man out there. How could I ever ask for a divorce? See, the reality is a little bit of praise, 
a little bit of respect, and a little bit of love goes a long way. It goes a very long way. And, and I've said it before in here, you know, wives respect your husbands. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. And, and it isn't dependent upon one another. You know, it's not dependent. I don't have to wait for Patty to respect me, to love her the way Jesus loved the church. My job is to love her the way Jesus loved the church. Her job is to respect me. But here's the reality of it. When we get to heaven, and I've said it before, and I stand there, I'm not going to get asked, well, did Patty respect you? I'm not going to get asked that. You know what I'm going to get asked? <clears throat> did you love Patty the way I love the church? That's what I got to answer to. She's not going to get asked, did Ken love you the way I love the church? She's going to get asked, did you respect your husband? So it's not dependent upon each other. It's what we're called to do. And it's part of that whole communication. Giving a little bit of love. Giving a little bit of respect. Having that communication with each other. And there's nothing wrong with praising each other. It'll actually go a long way. It'll go a long way within any type of relationship you're in. Whether it's a family, co-worker, or anything else, it goes a long way. We need to understand and pay attention to how we communicate with one another. So how's your communication skills? Think about it. Think about look, looking around at your family and at your church family and your friends and your co-workers and honestly ask yourself, how well do I communicate? Do I actually do these things I'm called to do? Or, or do I just, that's their problem. It's their fault. Well, they're the ones who did it. They need to fix it. Or do you actually come in with love and caring the same way that our Heavenly Father came in and loved and cared for us? A little bit of love goes.